welcome to this week's episode of 10,000 Posts. It's the show about how everything is posting. Um, I don't know whether this is a free one or a bonus one. Um, I should really look at the thing. Is it, it's, it's a bonus, isn't it? No, this is the free one. Ah, okay. Look, it's fine. It's fine. It's been a long week for me. Um, I've mm-hmm. become a wife guy. I've just become so obsessed with my wife that I can't think of anything else. Um, yeah, okay. No, welcome to this free episode of 10,000 Posts, the show about how everything is posting. Uh, we've got like a fun one. We've got an interesting one. I feel like this is this was kind of an inevitability, uh, uh, almost like revenge in some ways, maybe because last week, uh, well, famously, I I forced Phoebe to watch Morbius, um, mm-hmm. and now I have to watch reality TV. <laughs> so, um, so we we started off uh, by watching like the ultimate reality TV show, uh, which is uh, currently airing in the UK called uh, called Love Island. Um, you know, I've got some questions about it and who best to answer those questions than a friend of the hosts, uh, Emma Garland, who is a culture writer. Emma, how's it going? Hello. Yeah, it's good. Excited to talk about the most cursed program in Britain. (laughs) I should clarify by saying that like this is so we all have like different interactions with this type of show, right? So this is the first time I've ever watched it. Um, I've been aware of it. I've seen the posts. I've sort of like seen some of the discourse around it. But it's the first time I've actually sort of sat down and watched the show before. I have some thoughts about it. Phoebe, you have a bit more, bit more of a familiarity with it than I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I got, I got really into it a few years ago, and um, and base and basically haven't seen, I haven't seen it, haven't seen it since because particularly, okay. particularly <laughs> lot, like particularly last year when they were kind of going into it with, well, it's. It, for want of a better word, with a with a body count, it started to make me feel like quite kind of, yeah, gave me a kind of uh, feeling, and then I and because uh, I was thinking like you know these are these are real people these are real and in the main they're just like they're ordinary they're ordinary people they're not then they're they're not they're not kind of famous in the traditional sense of the word in in which by which I mean that they don't have an infrastructure of people who is set up to protect them from seeing stuff about mm. themselves. Like, I don't, I think that it's really easy just to be like, oh, well, you just ignore it or you just brush it off. But I kind of, I, I feel like if you see hundreds of thousands of people uh, saying they hope you die, I, I think that you'd have to be a very particular kind of person for that not to affect you at all. And so I was just like, okay, so like you just, you got to watch it and then just be like, remember these are people, remember these are people and just be nice about them. But then trying to watch it through that lens is it's, it's so boring. It's impossible. It's impossible to do it. Right. So I think, so I think that like when I, cause I tried to, cause I tried to watch like a couple of episodes last year and then it just, I, I couldn't, I couldn't cope with the tension between this is, this is, this is not right. This is not a right thing to do to these young people who, however, However much they think that they pre- that they are like prepared for what it's going to be like to be a public figure in the in the aftermath of it, they there's no way of preparing them. There's no way of preparing them, and there's no way of like discussing them, like they are real people with real feelings who might see the discussion. But then it's then it's not then it's not fun. It only it like the, like the kind of the fun is like derived from the kind of the la- the lack of empathy. And I think mm. that there's and I think it's quite difficult to reconcile that tension and I just thought well maybe I just just won't watch it yeah I feel like it definitely soured last year like I literally wrote a piece saying that it was over (laughs) because the vibe around it was so grim 
um, that it sort of, and everyone was sort of talking about the quandary of like, okay, to what extent is this like entertainment? To what extent do you have to bear people's like humanity in question? And those two things are almost like at complete loggerheads. Um, mm. And it became, yeah, there was like a lot of tension around last year. And then, <laughs> and then I thought, oh, fuck it, it's over. Like, I'm never watching it again. Like, what's the, what's the point? The fun has gone. Mm. And then the advert came on ITV2. And that, that little jingle, the, <laughs> and I was like, all right, I, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it was like Pavlov's like bell for dickheads, honestly. I was like straight like, back in. Yeah, it's like the Trump tweet where it's just like, you know, I know that Diet Coke is bad for me, but I'll keep drinking that garbage. Yes. Uh, we will we will keep swimming. <laughs> we'll keep swimming in the slop. Um, His you cultural know, I have diagnosis, my... though, is absolutely on point. I have to say, I just like, I can't, <laughs> I'll never leave the slop. Like, it's where I belong. <laughs> um. So yeah, I've got a few of your pieces that you've written about Love Island because like <laughs> I think they were very good, like contextually speaking, especially for someone who like was fairly like new to all this. Anyway, I've watched like I think on this show we've watched a couple of episodes of like shows that definitely try to like ape Love Island a little bit, or at least sort of kind of like use a very similar format. Mm. And what was very interesting to me was that like <clears throat> I assume that Love Island sort of being the kind of premier version of this type of reality TV would have like more interesting people on it. Mm. And just from like kind of my few hours watching the show, it just didn't really seem like that. And I wondered whether that sort of fit in with like your broader thesis that you had written in uh, Vice uh, about like the death of like uh, the death of this type of reality TV. So I guess before we sort of get into like the stuff that we've seen and also the tweet that you uh, you sent me, um, could you like for people who haven't read your piece, like what did you argue and like what was what was your thinking behind the idea that like, the golden age of Love Island is over or like kind of is seeing the end. Yeah. So I guess like the main uh, point behind it was that we've seen too much, you know, like we know that it's like the sort of facade of people, people are going on TV to find love. It's like, that's just not even, no one even considers that anymore. Like mm. people are there as like heterosexual theater, like the whole the concept of anyone falling in love on this show is like secondary to what it's actually for, which is very clearly like a normal person to mega influencer pipeline, you know, they're sort of like right. the broader infrastructure around it, the links to fast fashion, like, yeah, the influencer ties, the club appearances, that ecosystem is so exposed now um, mm -hmm. that it's, for viewers watching it like it's all very transparent which in a way does make it more entertaining because i think fundamentally like we can kind of like get deep about it but at the end of the day it is a tv show and mm. the entertainment value is obviously going to be at the front like people can, can sort of say that they're going on there for love but you can find love at home you know you don't have to be stalking around spain in espadrille wedges in front of millions, <laughs> in front of like millions of people every night of the week to find love. Mm. Uh, so I think like I think a I think a couple of things have happened. I think a that that whole the sausage factory was like <laughs> too like in too plain sight. Um, also, as Phoebe mentioned earlier, like it had had so much bad news and like so many tragic incidents happening mm. around it that it really soured the whole format. Mm. Um, and then just like 
viewer burnout. Like it had loads of series. It ran twice in one year at one point, and it was I think people just kind of were exhausted by it. Um, but yeah, it is still ne- <laughs> bearing all that in mind. It's very interesting to see people like sucked into it once again, myself included. Mm. Yeah, it kind of it kind of reminds me of like the, like the last days of X Factor when like everyone was talking mm. about how like it's done, it's finished. Like no, like nobody who go who even wins X Factor you ever hear of them again apart from Little Mix. Like it's this is this is it. This is the over for this kind of format. Mm. But then there'd be this like. Like it's like so interesting because like obviously like the focus on this show is like how people post about it. It was still even towards the end. It was still like a posting event, so yeah. you'd kind of so you'd be able to go online and you'd be able to find this like kind of like brave surviving society of X Factor fans, <laughs> and they are still watching it religiously <laughs> and they are still posting through it as well. And I kind of feel a little bit like that with love with Love Island. I feel like it's it's sort of strayed out of strayed out of offline consciousness because of all the stuff that we've mentioned but there's like there's still the posting ecosystem and the and the contestants are part of that because they go into it as people who have watched it and probably people who have posted through it and they wouldn't be micro influencers or midi influencers I'm not sure what the numbers are um (laughs) with like without 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 posting they would they uh, they are created by Instagram probably next year they'll be created more by TikTok um so it's like so it's like interesting that there's this kind of that there's a kind of ecosystem that sort of like grows up around it and everything Mm -hmm. kind of and everything feeds everything else and nobody really wants to take responsibility for their kind of for their role in it so like I I definitely noticed uh after after the uh very very tragic suicide of Caroline Flack um the tabloids were blaming people online and people online were blaming the tabloids Mm. as if there wasn't participatory activity from like from both sides Mm. and it's sort of a little bit and it's a little I mean obviously like it's it's hard to measure the damage that is done to somebody as an individual and probably having um having like the whole of the whole of the tabloid media like up in your like up in your business and publishing pictures of you to hundreds and thousands of people but if you are somebody with a large Twitter account, you have got much more reach than a newspaper now. And so I thought that like trying to kind of abrogate responsibility for the stuff that people used to say to her, like on Twitter or on, in, in other places as well, was, mm. was not, was, was also a kind of failure of understanding. Um, and particularly now when they say like, oh, well, we've, we give them le- sessions with a psychologist and uh we give them lessons on how to deal with trolling and it's like there are no lessons on how to deal with trolling there there just aren't they don't they don't exist the (laughs) only the only one that you can give them is well i suggest that you just uh go offline but they can't do that because they are reliant on Mm -hmm. the same they're reliant on the same ecosystem it's sort of it's sort of deemed to be a kind of cost of doing business yeah i mean it's a digital version of like what celebrities have been doing with the tabloids for decades which is they feed yeah. the tabloid stories in exchange for publicity because that's how they stay relevant like it's a horrible yeah. cycle yeah exactly and absolutely but i just think like the i think like the scale of it is now just like so unimaginable like we talked mm-hmm. about this last week when we were talking about like child actors about how like child actors when there was just the tabloids following them around like always went completely like completely dulali like off it but you can imagine like the difference now in terms of like scale and access for like a child actor reading like hundreds of thousands of like rape threats like a day like it's Mm. it's just 
it's it's very very similar but I think the scale is uh like turns it into something different I think yeah yeah the scale and ease yeah the scale and ease of access as well like I heard this thing on um another on a show that I sometimes listen to uh where it described it described the Tom Cruise uh sofa interview as well, this just like kind of marked the beginning of like people like deciding that they just like wanted kind of greater access to celebrities and they wanted thing they wanted access to celebrities, they wanted to contact with celebrities, which was not mediated by PR teams and was not mediated by uh, the culture media, was not mediated by studios, etc. And this was presented just like completely casually, like this is uh, this is not just like a fine and normal want to have but it's one that should be indulged and answered and I actually don't <laughs> think it is I don't think it is no. at all I think mm. it's one that should be uh that should be criticized and discouraged wanting access to celebrities yeah. because you mm. you don't know them well I have like a way of getting because like this will probably take up a lot of our conversation anyway not least when we talk about like how the contestants like kind of move around the island and interact with each other and everything. So I feel like a good way of starting was actually with this tweet that uh, Emma sent me before we began the show. I'm going to put it into the chat um, just for you guys to have a look at. Uh, so I'm going to read this out uh, again. This is like a very visual tweet, so it's going to sound really, really weird when I read it. But thankfully, uh, producer Devin uh, is uh, going to put a, uh, well, we'll put the visual tweet up on. So, you know, you will see what we are talking about. Uh, I'm gonna do what? What do you mean? Listener, just imagine it. Thank you very much, Devin. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> so this is a tweet that comes from a PRMSE official, just like a normal tweet. Uh, she says, no, the internet's too fast. Who did this with like a cry with a exhausted face emoji and a cry laugh emoji, hashtag love island. And then the image is a picture of uh, Gemma Owen uh, on one of the love island phones. Um, and there's a speech bubble that I think is like imposed that says like, Gemma, your A-level results are now ready to collect from school. Please see your tutor when you arrive. Um, this is a joke because Gemma Owen is 19 years old. Just as a mm. side note, I was very, I did hoot and holler a little bit when I did find out who Gemma Owen was, not least because we do have a fascination with Michael Owen on the show. Uh, the last <laughs> time we spoke about Michael Owen, he had found a purple portal uh, mm -hmm. somewhere near his house. And no, the last time. No, the last time we talked about Michael Owen was when he was founding his own, uh, oh, his yeah. own cryptocurrency, which oh, he shit, yeah. No, sorry, he was releasing his own NFTs, which he claimed couldn't lose any value, and then his business manager was forced to say, like, <laughs> "Oh no, 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 that's not, that's not right, that's not right at all." <laughs> I'm yeah, afraid he, we, yeah. we cannot guarantee that in oh, any yeah, way, shape, or form. Yeah. He said that his NFT, like, he, his was the first NFT that could never lose any value, which, like. <laughs> Looking at the crypto markets this morning, um, I don't necessarily know how true that was. So quite good that his manager was just like, nope, we can't say that. We are definitely not allowed to say that. Yeah, um, Michael, Michael Owen, notable by his silence today. <laughs> is it Michael Owen? Is it Michael Owen who said that he like doesn't like films and he's only ever yes. seen like two films in yes. his life? Yes. Yeah, he's only, yeah. And like one but, of them, one of them was Sea Biscuit. Like it's like nobody, <laughs> nobody has seen Sea Biscuit. The director of Sea Biscuit has not seen Sea Biscuit. <laughs> Absolutely incredible. You see, you know what I just said about how like people should like should be discouraged from wanting access to celebrities because you don't know them. I'm just like to exclude myself from that because I do know Michael, <laughs> Michael Owen. I know him personally and therefore my yeah. fixation is completely fine. 
He's now he he's now actually just to correct the record. He's now seen ten films um, as of two thousand fourteen. Oh, good for him! Oh no, as of like two thousand nineteen. Um, yeah, he uh, and and uh, they include uh, Rocky Four, Cool Runnings, a uh, Ghost, Key Biscuit, <laughs> Creed, Jurassic. Oh my god! Park. <gasps> he's seen Heat. Oh my god, he's seen Heat. But like his review of Heat was quote wasn't great. Uh, <laughs> this is very like. A similar list to like what Osama bin Laden was watching when he was in the hall for months. It's so, it's so similar. Why is it so similar? <laughs> Someone should look into this connection. One um, of the one of the NFTs is just gonna be Mike Lowen giving speeches from the desert. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we don't know what happened to Michael Owen since he like walked through that portal uh all all, all those many months ago, but his daughter is on Love Island. Uh, she is 19 years old. I think she is the youngest uh, contestant this year. Um, I wasn't sure whether she had told anyone that her dad was Michael Owen. It wasn't. No, no, no. Clear. That's like part of it. Like she, but, right. but I mean, uh, like regrettably, because um, if you know that she has got a famous dad, which again I think is like I think it's interesting because like, are we like are we suggesting that like fame is a genetic quality because mm. There does seem to be like, like people, like the way that people are talking about it, like very much makes it sound like, oh yeah, well, she's already famous, but like she's famous because of who her dad is and because she has chosen to use that for like her own, for like her own career. So she's, so she's, 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 she's a Nepo baby. And that's like, and I think, and I think that people make much more of a fuss about that than is really necessary. Like, obviously Mm. it is very, very bad that, uh, that basically the entire creative industry is uh, is like just full of full of middle class people, and obviously it should be expanded for uh, for certainly more working class voices, which they're basically none of. But like the idea that it's like brand new information <laughs> that people in desirable industries get opportunity for their children it's like what come on come on guys do you think this is new (laughs) well like two points on that the first one is like i actually think nepo babies are fine if they're entertaining and or good at what they do if they're boring then it's like then it becomes a problem but also what is fascinating to me about love island is that posh people are really disliked and hated they mm. <laughs> like Gemma yeah, that's kind yeah, of yeah. Why, partly why I sent this uh this tweet over uh, to be fair I actually don't think like probably in the British mindset Gemma Owens doesn't seem coded as posh because she's got like no. a northern accent mm. <laughs> but sure. um but yeah people people decide who they hate really early on and I think if there's a connection with whether it's like fame money a certain accent or whatever yeah, everyone fucking hates you, and I find that so interesting. Yeah, yeah it's I, it's I, yeah. it's it's super interesting. It's like it's um it's like the uh it's like the so it's like the kind of the soap opera tendency where like if somebody seems like seems like they might be posh, that's like that's that's coding for them being evil. Mm-hmm. Like they will like as soon as someone like shows up who has like and even it's just like kind of non-specific kind of southeast accent like mm-hmm. you know that they're gonna do something <laughs> fucking evil if they've got a degree <laughs> oh my god that's like they're gonna start killing people basically like basically left right and center um <laughs> and i think it's like a kind of it's like a similar thing on love island because like um because i'm interested at the idea of Gemma Owen being coded as posh because she's like she's she's rich like i'll definitely like, mm. I, like I won't like i won't deny that but the question is in this 
relentlessly classist country, whether that has caused any particular like like class mutability for her. I don't know if that's the case, mm. but it's not. Think, it's not. Yeah. It's not very clear. No, I think. I think probably if people didn't know who her that Michael Owen was her dad, it would be like a moot point. But because they do, mm. there's a sort of like assumed and probably well placed like sense of entitlement or like. Oh yeah, there's more. Course, there's more. Yeah. There's more. Uh, people are more readily critical of her because she ha- in the, the viewer's eyes, she has to do more to deserve to be there. Mm. I love the idea of deserving to be there. Look, she worked hard. She worked hard <laughs> for that. For that. For that. For that PLT <laughs> bikini. That's like. Okay. You no, know she's wearing. She's not... wearing her own. She has her own bikini line, and she's wearing her oh, own. Like she? I hate that I know this. But she's like wearing her own <laughs> bikinis in there. Um, as okay. as ads. Yeah. So the eBay thing's already gone. We're. I mean, look, we're in the market for like sponsorships. So you know. <laughs> yeah. She's. A... <laughs> well, it's called like Valencia okay. or something like that. It's like a really terrible name. Oh dear. Oh, that's not great, is it? Brilliant. Brilliant I mean, stuff. I, this is okay. Obviously, like we want to kind of get into the like you know the bones of this as a kind of mm-hmm. as a media product and media ecosystem but i do i do want just to talk really quickly about how high waisted the bikini bottoms have gone because i that it's too much now <laughs> they're too they're too high and it look they they it looks weird from the back like I don't like I like high waist high leg I like I think that's good I think that's a good it's a good look it suits it's a, like it certainly suits me but then now like they're now like they're grazing the lower ribs yeah yeah they do go halfway up the torso they look like they look like like they look like wrestlers <laughs> in these and I don't I don't like it and I don't know who started it and I would like it to end <laughs> Um, it's sort of like, yeah, remember, do you remember that year where they were like, uh, there's like a cutout, I don't know how to describe this for the listener, but there's like a cutout on the stomach that was so big, everyone's like underboobs were out. Yes. That was worse. Yeah, yeah, but no, I think that's I've, like I've, moved around the back now. Yeah. To the that's, I think, I think that's like the, I think that's how swimsuit trends work. You have like mm. a big like a big unflattering hole cut out of the swimsuit <laughs> and then it just like and then it just I like migrates <laughs> and then it just like like <laughs> and then it just like migrates around the body like some <laughs> like some kind like like kind of medieval theory of disease <laughs> so like it's just like it's just migrating around the body like one of the humors and and this year it's the like i don't even know how like how they kind of stay put don't they like kind of roll back down from your waist like, aren't they uncomfortable I don't, I don't know i don't know yeah i couldn't tell I you know. i'd love to know <laughs> yeah so if Je- yeah if, Gemma, <laughs> if someone from like valencia or wherever Gemma owns like swimsuit company is can tell us uh how people feel about them that would be great um okay so I'm, I'm trying to like figure out how to start this because obviously there's been like a lot of episodes and like you know each of us has sort of gotten through it to a further extent so i'll kind of like begin with episode one the one that i paid the most attention to just because there was <laughs> so much happening in one go so like the impression that i sort of got was like this is very it's like got the classic sort of influencer aesthetics like you know your pastel colors um the kind of like the very fast cuts the sort of weird 
kind of dance electronic dance music I hear at the gym sometimes, like the type of like music that doesn't really mm-hmm. yeah, it feels like a little bit soulless. Um I was looking through like the Love Island apartment and there's lots of like eat pray love type of stuff on the walls. Uh there's something that says like vibe. There's like a neon light in one of the rooms that says vibe check. So mm-hmm. yeah, I thought that was kind of funny. Is that um, like an is that like an instruction or is it a, or a description? I don't know. Cause like my immediate question was like, I guess they have to sort because they're stuck in this island and stuck in this sort of like house for a really long time. I guess they have to kind of like use what is around them as a way of like situating themselves. Right. So maybe like the vibe check sign initially is just like a bit of kitsch that like a producer found and like sort of fits the aesthetic, but will become the place where people come to like check if their vibe is okay. Um, <laughs> Maybe I don't know. Uh, what, there's a like, ball. There's like a like, ball like pit a that place everyone. Where like kids go to. Like, no, where they, they where get they lost go in what, a shopping center, like the kind of the meet me no, under where, the vibe or, check or sign. But where the co- yeah, or like where the contestants go to be like meet me under the vibe check sign. Like I don't know. This is the first time I've watched this. Whenever they introduce a character, for some reason, like there's a kind of adult ball pit, right? Like <laughs> that yeah, was really in, weird. I, they're I, in I don't. Bulletin. Like, yeah, <laughs> slow motion. Um, you know, and uh, you know, they, and I, you know, in a lot of ways, like the show's kind of like exactly what I expected. You know, you have these like very sort of like conventionally attractive like people who kind of say these kind of you know who also who have like definitely rehearsed their stock flirtatious lines. Um, and saying it's camera and like sometimes they're not even taking themselves seriously. There's a guy who like talks about the microbiologist who talks about like. <clears throat> the love heart on his dick mm-hmm. that was kind of like a bit strange for me but like mm-hmm. <clears throat> maybe if it works um yeah uh it, it's just kind of it feels very it all feels very synthetic and it all feels mm-hmm. very kind of like and maybe that's the point like i didn't for, for me my question was very much especially like having season eight being the first time i watched this is this kind of something that people expect or cause like Emma, you mentioned in a piece that you wrote, but like they've sort of tweaked the format a little bit. Mm. Um, so like what, what ways have they done that to kind of, um, and, and has, and do you think that sort of affected the way that the show is run and like the way that people think about like the show in this season? Mm. Aesthetically, they haven't tweaked it at all. It's been literally the same for like eight <laughs> years. Um, and it's really funny to hear, uh, someone explain it having just seen it for the first time the other day because <laughs> <laughs> I'm like hearing it back I'm just like why does anyone watch this it sounds so <laughs> devoid of anything interesting anyway but yeah so they uh the format tweaks have basically come in response to all of the criticism that was leveled at them I think um so there were two mm. major changes uh in that originally first thing that would happen they bring out like five or six girls and go oh look they're more beautiful than anyone you've ever seen in your life then they bring out five or six men who are just like normal (laughs) men (laughs) (laughs) and then they let the men look at the women in a row and pick one um (laughs) and that's how the show starts (laughs) which is good it's all really good stuff (laughs) um and then I guess the other thing was that based on, well, judging by Twitter, at least a big thing that people wanted was more like LGBTQ representation, um, which they have sort of addressed and responded to by putting in an Italian man, 
Um, which I think. Can I, can I? Can I just? Which I think they were right. They were right to do it. They were right to do it. Can I just say something about like I found this incredibly funny, right? That like the, Ita- the, the Italian guy whose name is Davide, um, basically like he comes in and he terrorizes everyone. Like my takeaway from the show is that they introduce an Italian guy, and like it just kind of that all the British you could just sit, all see all the British guys being like we are fucked. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, does that like yield? Because like when I watched episode five, like Davide was like up to something, but obviously I haven't seen like the episodes in yeah. between to know what he was up to. But like, is he very much like, is he sort of presented as like the kind of like threat to British masculinity? Yes. Well, basically what's extremely funny about this is normally he was sent in instead of what's typically known as the bombshell, which is normally like an Amazonian woman with like a balayage who's there to like disrupt people's like <laughs> right, I like see, couples. Okay. um but instead yeah so they've instead of doing that to rattle the women they've sent in uh italian man to rattle the men um which is yes, amazing yeah. he also later in a later episode i don't know if you watched this phoebe i think maybe you did but in like a game of would you rather reveals that his best friend once enlisted him to like cuck him so he fucked his best friend's wife like in front of his best friend yeah um, yeah he- <laughs> no i did i did watch this and everyone looks that- like terrified. Something that I find fascinating about uh, about Davide is that the is the men like all like they all absolutely adore him. Mm-hmm. Like they treat him, they treat him, they treat him like the one lad in their group who has a driving license. Like that's <laughs> like, that's, <laughs> like that's that's the energy that they're like whenever mm. he like appears that like they like they defer to him like you you just know that if like if one of them fell over and like grazed his knee he'd be like he'd want Davide to come and tell him mm-hmm. to be a brave man and put a plaster on it the women seem less enchanted by him the yeah. women seem to the women seem to find him like actively repugnant because, oh interesting Okay. And I, th- mm-hmm. and I think this is the case with a lot of the men, uh, men on this. They are all really good examples, as to me anyway, of men who have like there's nothing aesthetically wrong with them. Like they are, they are very handsome men, and they've all got very, they've got all very nice bodies and stuff. But there's something so deeply, I suppose it's like, I suppose it's like a kind of anti horn that's like kind of radiating off them. Because none of them seem to be especially interested in women or in sex. They're interested in each other. They want to talk to each other. They want to hang out with each other. Mm-hmm. They seem to enjoy being around each other. And then whenever they're like forced into a situation where they have to kind of like go and mingle with the women, they treat it like a kind of year six disco. They're just like, well, I know I have to because otherwise that's gay. But like... <laughs> But do I really have to? Do I, do I really have to? And then they come away just being like, "Yeah, she's a lovely girl. She's stunning." And then they and then they don't smile again until they talk to one of their boys. And I think it's actually <laughs> a really interesting. It's like it's it's really really interesting because like the women like also basically only really seem that interested in each other. They seem they seem interested in the men in a kind of quite kind of almost sort of like like romantically desperate kind of way. Mm. like there's there seems to be a lot of kind of trotting around after the boys and like my, my absolute favorite thing on this and any kind of dating related reality show is when it shows the shows one of the girls talking to the other girls and saying about and saying about a man like 
uh, he's just you know what he's actually like when you get him one-on-one he's so sweet like and he's actually like he's actually like he's really intelligent he's actually a really deep thinker and then it switches to voiceover and it shows the man in question just like sitting there chewing slowly like a cow and you're just like <laughs> what like, where are you where are you getting this assessment of this of this of this man I don't think it's I don't think it's right I think you're kidding yourself the Davide thing's a good example of like the male gaze versus the female gaze, isn't it? Davide is yeah. like a Gillette advert, like in person, yeah. and women yeah, don't yeah, care yeah. unless he, you're funny. Yeah, Famously. he's what he he's what a he's what a team of all male advertising executives would like come up with as like who is the ideal man, like who's yeah. going to be the next Gillette, who's going to be the next Gillette man? It's him. Yeah. But he, but like, if you actually had to kind of deal with him, like, there's a, there's one bit where he said, where he says about how like he loves cooking because he loves to take care of his woman, and I honestly felt physically sick because I was like, if anyone ever said that to me, I'd like, like really, I like, I like, I enjoyed that. (laughs) 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 Like, the the cooking is fine. It's more the I like to make sure that my woman is all right. I just, no, no, no. There's just something about it. Yeah, it's like the most base elements of heterosexuality, like on display at all times in the most pungent yeah. manner. Like, but so, but again, so unhorny because I yes. think that what this, yeah, is what this series is because obviously, because all, all of them are treating it like it's a kind of necessary part of their job application process. Mm. Like this is this is like this is the group interview stage. So like none of them want to do anything which could which could fuck with their brand partnerships in the future, mm-hmm. which does interfere a little bit with the alleged horny aspect of the show. Like none of them seem particularly sexually interested in each other or sexually interested just sort of full stop. Like they are not presenting themselves as like horny beings. Yeah. And whenever they do, it's like they lay it on so thick that it feels like even less convincing than if they were like yeah. uninterested. Yeah. But because it, it reminded me a lot, because we did um, we did an episode a little bit ago about uh, Love in the Flesh, which is the BBC mm. version a of horrible Love name. It's so horrible, but it's 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 it is people who have who've only talked to each other online, meeting on a kind of love like kind of villa esque <laughs> island, <laughs> <laughs> meeting on an island. Um, like uh, you don't find out at any point that it's like a kind of external quarantine, and they've just been like kind of put there for the safety of the rest of the population. Uh, but what but like one of the weird things and it's something that I noticed with this as well is that they talk about like oh it might be nice to have a bit of a cuddle might be nice to have a bit of a kiss and it's very like children playing at being grown-ups like none of them are like yeah like I would like I would I would rail him to pieces like there's there's like there's like none of that and like maybe maybe the people in my life are unusually uh unusually disgusting as people but I feel I feel like adults in this situation it's like there there shouldn't be this kind of blind date vibe where we're just Mm. pretending that adults do not have sex with each other um and particularly the talk about like kissing and cuddling and like oh it'd be nice to have a little cuddle I kind of think like that that is all they want they just yeah they're labrador people they just want to cuddle it's very well it's very transactional isn't it Cause it's like oh if we have a cuddle mm. then that means this and if we have a kiss then that yeah. means we're this and i do think yeah. that there are people that are like this in real life i don't know them but i i know that they exist and i have i fear that they may take up the majority of the population 
They may, they, yeah, they, they may yeah. well do. They may well do. I know that the young are, not, are supposed to be not shagging. I am aware of that. <coughs> mm. there's, a, there's a sex recession. Um, <laughs> a succession. That's what I'm being told. There's a sex recession. Um, well, this, yeah, because this, this series is missing, though. It's because they're missing a particular stock character, and maybe they're going to bring her in. Um, mm. But they're missing a lip gloss praying mantis character, <laughs> which is uh, so like the so like there was um, there was Me- was Megan was that her name? Yeah, my queen. Uh, yeah, she's she. I lo- I loved her. She was really good. Uh, there was the terrifying Irish one. Maura, yeah, the one who, yeah, the one who looked like a brat doll. Um, yeah, Maura, that was <laughs> yeah, 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 that was her. Like, and they are lip gloss praying mantises, and like men find them very, very frightening mm. because they're very unapologetic about their sexuality. And women who don't know what they're talking about also find them frightening because they're like praying mantises in lip gloss. But they are actually like they are the people, as far as I'm concerned, who are like they are engaging in like the most kind of practical feminist praxis of like like, <laughs> mo- like most women in this country because they're in club toilets mm-hmm. like being unpaid therapists and threatening to like kill people on other women who they don't know's behalf that's uh-huh. who and that's who we're missing in this series and i feel like they've tried to kind of send an ekin sue as yeah. as the as the lip gloss praying mantis but uh, i'm yeah, I don't. I don't buy it because no, she just me spends neither. all the time competing with a teenager, and that just feels that feels to me like the opposite of of the Mora and the opposite of the Megan archetype to me. It sort of feels like it kind of gets to the heart of like both the posts around Love Island and just like the existential problem that I think the show seems to be having. And I think Emma, you've identified this both in the Vice piece and the Guardian piece that you wrote quite recently. Mm. Um about the idea that like, well, because Love Island sort of has to do this kind of course correction based on its legacy, but it also sort of has to stick to like the same format that like has sort of given it its success. Mm. Um, but it also, as it kind of enters its eighth season, like the contestants are sort of going in knowing that like they're sort of being watched all the time and then knowing that this is effectively like a long job application and that it's not really the 50 grand, like in which, in which like relatively speaking is, act- I, was, I was very surprised actually by how small the amount was. I was expecting mm. it to be a lot bigger but mm-hmm. then it made sense where it was like okay well the prize isn't really like the prize money the prize is the kind of like career stability you get as a kind of like traveling influencer mm-hmm. after you come out and like there's a real kind of like careful tightrope you have to walk down if you're going to do that and that is a tightrope that you walk on before the show happens during the show in particular but like after the show as well so because you're sort of constantly being aware of being watched and being cast and like having to sort of like perform a, in a particular type of characterization and one that isn't, you know, one that isn't sort of decided by mainstream media in a conventional sense, but one is that is, that is sort of decided by like viewership and decided mm-hmm. by brands who respond to viewership. And like it puts the contestants in this really difficult spot where it's like, you know, they can't really be relaxed enough to kind of actually flirt with someone. They can't really be relaxed enough to actually like, you know, show that they are interested in having sex or intimacy. They sort of have to be on guard all the time, which might make sense why like a a friendship between like guys or a friendship between women is actually like a much easier interaction to have than one of like romantic intimacy. And I don't know whether that plays out throughout the rest of the episodes, but it was certainly clear in like episode one that you have these guys that are just like, 
oh yeah, she's welfare or like she has a big bar or whatever. But it's like, you know, you hear these things that like, you're not, you're not convinced of what you're saying. Like, you know, <laughs> you don't, you don't believe that. Like, do you even like, do you want to be here? Do you even want to have sex? Like, it's fine if you don't. Like, that's completely okay, but like kind of weird that you're on the show, which is supposed to be about that. And I guess like the other question I had, again, as someone like who's sort of only vaguely aware of this is like, do the viewers want them to have sex? Like, is that, it feels like even kind of like the viewership and the responses to like what's happening on their screen, like very little of it sort of addresses like the actual intimacy component of it. They're Mm -hmm. too busy kind of like, or they're much more concerned with like kind of, uh, uh, honing in on like the kind of uh, the small kind of interactions and behaviors that characters sort of have between each other and then like seeing Love Island as sort of like a microcosm of like contemporary dating culture or something like that but it doesn't Mm -hmm. even kind of feel like that's legit anymore so I wondered what your thoughts were on that and crucially like what when when people are like doing live tweeting and like you know doing uh, all the sort of like live posting of Love Island like what are they actually expecting from the contestants? Like, what is their relation to them? My cynical side thinks that at this point, people expect very little because people engage with it not for a particularly amazing bit of TV, which Love Island has kind of never been, except for the 2018 series that had like Megan Bart and Hanson and stuff on it. But I kind of think now people just engage with it to boost their own platforms. It's like a cyclical mm. thing. Like, it's very yeah. telling that it's. Twitter where the dis where like people primarily talk about it like even with TikTok like it's not the same people are doing commentary but like people don't engage with it on anywhere near the same level um Mm. and you have like you have Fiat 500 Twitter Black Twitter Media Twitter you have all of these different social groups like going feral on the Love Island hashtag on Twitter and it's kind of like Mm. if Love Island the show is like the Olympics of beauty, then it's like Love Island commentary is like the Olympics of posting. Like everyone is, <laughs> everyone, I think there's like a real, it's like it's a weird hysteria around it that I think is generated more by the posting economy almost more than it is the show. Yeah. I think yeah, that's, because like, like- that's, that's so, that's so interesting to me because it feels like, mm. it feels like the, like it, like it functions at a remove. People are, uh, like people are reacting to the reactions as opposed to mm-hmm. the actual, yeah. like the actual material. And that's what. And that's another thing I mean by it having its own kind, its own kind of ecosystem, its own little kind of like society mm. around it. Because it's very noticeable that people don't like if people miss an episode, they don't catch up with it. Yeah, it's like the only thing that people don't binge watch and don't catch up on. Like. It's, n- it's never any kind of like no 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 spoilers because there's literally no point there's no point in watching it mm-hmm. if you are not like if you're not part of the if you're not part of the kind of reaction generation mm. um ecosystem yeah so this is why there was no point in me watching like from episode one yeah that's what that's, <laughs> that's why i thought it made sense to watch it live and then follow the posts because this is a show about posting so i thought yes. that's what made yeah yeah i mean you know why not um, I was going. Tra- I was going trad with my uh, with my TV viewership. Yeah, so. of course. <laughs> Beginning of course. to end. God, that's right. That's, that. that's right. <laughs> yeah, don't do that these days. Um, what I was going to say, just as an addition, but yeah, you're right. Because like, I think there are like events in London, like ticketed ticketed events in London, or like private ones where like they just do Love Island watch parties, right? And it's like those like super exclusive. I've seen like people on Instagram like who have who have gone to them, like these kind of rooftop you know, Love Island parties <laughs> mm-hmm. where, and it's like, and it's bizarre because it's like very much like they invite these other influences to come watch this show. 
um because like so much of like you know even for these other influencers like watching and participating in the discourse of the show is very much part of their overall kind of brand strategy or at least their sort of like visibility strategy as well um so it almost feels as if like this is both like a product of or at least kind of the way that it exists right now like it's a product of like the kind of expansive influencer economy but it's also like a sort of cog inside the machine at the same time Mm. yeah well i've noticed this year that i've never seen before i might be wrong but um so obviously when contestants go in love island they they don't their phones are taken from them they can't go on social media if something particularly uh bad is happening or they're getting rinsed for something online they have people behind this like the producers will sit them down and tell them about it if they need to know about it Mm. but for the most part like they don't have access to the internet they have no idea what's being said about them but they now have active twitter accounts that i guess friends family members or like pr or whatever are running where and contestants are now interacting with each other completely independently of how the real people are interacting on the island like (laughs) i noticed this with within so india and akenna they're two people that are in a couple right now in the island they're just like interacting in a separate way and then their twitter accounts are now speaking on (laughs) oh my god and like and like flirting doing like flirty banter and it's like completely but separate it, from but it, it it's not it's not them, it's, not them it's a no. kind, it, like it's, it's a kind like, of similar yeah similar of them yeah. oh my it's, god it's, it's like when brand it's like when brands interact with each other yeah this you know, yeah and they're like and they're like the, the flirty oreo account is like also if there was an oreo man That's who really, was yeah. being kept on an island with no <laughs> with no internet access and then there's Talking to Lady Gaga like we should collapse. Yeah, Yeah, that's that is that's like that to me is like such a kind of interesting like that's the kind like that's the kind of thing that I know that if I was ever like if I was ever allowed to like travel back in time and I have this all this kind of like okay no so what I've got to do is I've got to like I've got to warn people about this and I've got to tell people (laughs) to invest in that and and then all I'll just do is go okay so here's some debord for you like like let me <laughs> let, let me let me describe contemporary situationism because this is what it's like um and yeah and i'd use the example of the oreo man on the island on his own i think what's interesting as well about it is that the boringness of it doesn't make them less cruel to each other and it doesn't and it also doesn't really make it a less cruel spectacle like it's like it's still very much in it's still very much in like a reality uh, reality show tradition which i think is which i think was i would say was probably started by america's next top model which is a kind of which is a strand in reality shows which is basically just about the mortification of hot people like that's <laughs> what it's for like you watch it because you because like even like the idea of like present influencers having watching parties of it because they're watching people who are like trying to be influencers so it's like it's like kind of royal children being brought to the executions be like look <laughs> um uh but like but yeah it's like it's like it's very much a part of it like they're like lining up the women in their in not their swimming costumes like waiting to be like waiting to be selected like lobsters in a tank like it's like a lot of it is about people liking watching hot people particularly hot women getting taken down a peg or two like that's the kind of that's sort of the aspect of it so like you see these people still being interpersonally very cruel to each other and like and and ditching people without a kind of moment's notice if they see someone who they like better but they're not doing it in an interesting way they're just doing it in a kind of 
oh, so you're boring and you suck as a person. <laughs> like that's like at li- like at, like at least be like kind of like none of them are in, like none of them are interested in this kind of like in this kind of pantomime cruelty that like people like associated with um like the kind of I suppose a more innocent time in reality TV. Like yeah, you the remember. Big yeah, exactly. I like, remember like the first couple of series of Big Brother where like if someone didn't like somebody else, they would like they would go at it and like and you and they'd have these like incredible rows and like my favorite thing on that always used to be when, <laughs> always used to be when like they ended up in a row but they were dressed up for one of the ridiculous tasks and there was like one and I will never forget this it's like blazoned in my memory where the, where they're all dressed up as like giant foam playing card characters (laughs) so like they've all got like with kind of like sideways faces and like the kind of the weird like king curls and stuff and they are having this like (laughs) incredible barney like in the like in the like around like the kind of the paddling pool and it's just these great big like foam like like ace of spades like yelling at a king of hearts and um so they don't (laughs) so they don't really have that now and it's it's almost like they've kind of in order to uh in order to kind of inculcate a kind of responsibility aspect into it they've like they've sort of just kept the theater of cruelty stuff but they've just got rid of the theatrics yeah it's very british they've like taken the fags and booze off them and like <laughs> like a sugar tax or whatever but then they've actually fundamentally <laughs> yeah. changed nothing about the structure or the format yeah yeah like yeah particularly like with one like with one girl who who sort of seemed to think that one of the lads liked her and he kind of, and he sort of, and he, he, he didn't seem to see any reason why he should like make an effort to even consider this other woman as like a real person. And like, cause there was quite, there's, all, there's also quite a lot of like the women saying like, oh yeah, he uh, like, I don't know if he likes me or not. And it's just like, these are the kind of men that if, they don't think that you're attractive, that you literally don't exist to them. Mm. So like if they're speaking to you at all, it is because they fancy you. I think some of them, I don't think all of them are like that, to be honest, but there's always like a few every year that are very clearly like that. Remember, I've only watched like a couple of episodes and this is just like, this is just sort of what I kind of got out of it. Like, there are a couple yeah. that seem to be okay, but because they all look so similar, I can't tell. Yeah, there's like the fish guy and there's someone else and they both look like really similar. I keep like, I think the guy who went out on episode five, they looked, I, I, was he the, no, he wasn't the fish guy, was he? I'm going through like the stills right now. There are four guys and they all have the same haircut. Yeah, they got that like shepherd's oh. pie haircut thing. <laughs> yeah it's like this is the problem like uh, this is like for a separate thing but i like i don't know the kind of like i i oh, i have so many thoughts about like the fade and just like the fade being the mainstream haircut and just like how <laughs> this means that so many guys look the same um but yeah there's the fish guy and someone else look like very very similar and i kept getting confused by that mm-hmm. um yeah uh it's, God, like, so it, much- like it's a shame that they haven't tried to do some kind of some kind of sexuality representation or for that matter some kind of representation of like different like different body types like yeah yeah it, it doesn't, I, this, doesn't feel that hard to do to that. me to me this feels interesting because it always it kind of mirrors some of the conversation we had when we watched love in the flesh right which was like um when we spoke about if you did a show about like terminally online people on an island that could be really really interesting but none of the guys who like, went on that show are like 
term. They're not like online in the way that we would necessarily consider them to be, or like consider like online guys to be. Um, mm. These are just people who like kind of, you know, they're, they're people who are auditioning probably for Love Island among like other influencers type roles who are like kind of flirting, who have flirted with people on and off on Instagram for like, they're not anywhere near as plugged in to sort of like truly be someone who's like, oh yeah, you look at look at them being like, oh yeah, you've only ever had like online relationships, right? Mm-hmm. You guys like you're too good looking. Um, and I think that Love Island might have like quite a similar problem, right? Which is that like these guys, the all the everyone on the show is like conventionally and aesthetically like good looking, but in a very kind of we've seen we've seen this type of person so many times before, mm. but it makes it very difficult, you know, so, and, and I get where this comes from in the sense of like, okay, if you, if you put a bunch of good looking people on, on this type, in this type of setting, like eventually their personalities will have to get let out. And like, that's the interesting part of it. Mm. But that only is interesting when they have personalities and it feels like none of them, like either they don't have personalities or crucially, if they do, they're like doing their best to kind of conceal it because, and I wonder whether like part of this is because like, you know, they're desperate not to sort of be seen as the villain. They're desperate, like not to kind of like have the public kind of turn on them. I've seen like tweets from Love Island series, not just this one, but like other ones where you'll have people who are really, really invested in a Love Island couple. And then when the guy like decides to like, go like couple up with someone else uh someone who's like younger or someone who is kind of <clears throat> more flirtatious or like you know see, is considered to be more fun then they'll take it really really personally and mm. that could kind of like really ruin that kind of guy's you know life after after the after the thing um it feels so it feels as if like they're desperately trying to avoid the public or like aspects of the public turning on them but that comes at a cost, which is that like nothing really happens in a, yeah, in, in a way that, you know, in, in, in time, in terms of storylines that you want to be invested in, it feels like mm. a problem, but just also like can't really be resolved unless you did something like change the format, which would include putting people on the Island who are not like, who don't have six pack abs or who like, aren't kind of like these very chiseled white guys with, you know, fade haircuts and stuff. Yeah, it's very like as it's like with with everything. Like as the show becomes more monetized and people can, you know, sort of there's more brand opportunities or financial opportunities to come with being on it. The more watered down and the more bland it's going to become. Mm, um, right. Yeah. But to be the first two weeks are always pretty boring. I will say, like it kind of people start to lose their minds. <laughs> people, right, yeah, yeah. The, the fabric of their sanity starts to fray after about two to three mm. weeks, and then it becomes sometimes like kind of a more exciting thing to watch but it takes such a long time to yeah. get there that it's like you've already put in 14 to 15 hours of your life watching this and like in, yeah. what, in what other avenue of entertainment would you do that for the payoff of like maybe someone yeah. will have a fight so and this and this is where <laughs> i was sort of wondering whether like the like one of the appeals of this type of show is that it like harks back to a sort of period of time when people watch TV and like TV was like a moment in time. Right. Mm. So like, I'm thinking about like the kind of uh, beginnings of prestige TV where, you know, people would sort of talk about the episode of breaking bad or like the Sopranos or whatever. Um, and because everything, because like all that stuff is now streaming and it's all designed to binge and even stuff that's weekly, like is produced in such like a haphazard and quick way. that not only does the discourse on it happen like really, really quickly, but it also, it becomes like a non-event. So Love Island kind of represents one of the last few television events that people will um, be invested in or even like partially invested in, not necessarily because 
they care about the people on it or that they kind of like have a sort of emotional investment in any of the participants, but just because, oh, it's that time where I, I like put on my show and I hang out with my friends online. And it's like that type of experience can't really be replicated for other things. Yeah, it's literally like football. It's like sports. Like there's, it's very contained within like a very specific window, and it's like a water cooler show, right? It's the it's the one thing that you can like probably bring up to most people in the country who aren't Hussein and mm. be like, "You've seen this show. Let's talk about it." It's like <laughs> yeah, the thing, yeah. it's the one. It's the thing that you can like. I don't know. It just gives you like a direct uh, social point with like a complete stranger, and I think that people very clearly do crave that or miss it or like maybe our like desperation for like watching this very middling show every single year mm. uh maybe reflects that a little bit yeah mm. crave like it there's, there's nothing wrong with like seeking community i think that's fine i think that's i think that's fine i think that like it's fine to like things guys let people enjoy that's the takeaway like it is interesting because i noticed that as we're like talking about it, that like because like one of the things that like i think is like really important is like is um is like how these how the how like the people involved are like possibly supposed to like uh sort of cope with uh with like what gets like kind of unleashed around like any any sort of public figure and it's like really easy to talk about that in the abstract and then when you start talking about it actually like you can't like you can't stop yourself you can't stop yourself from what mm-hmm. I, I don't like that one i don't like him i don't like him <laughs> um i just bleh, just something about him just gives me the creeps gives me he's gross he's disgusting he makes me, <laughs> um and like like the hot like the whole time i was watching um watching like one of the girls i was just like i just don't care for you i just don't care for you madam you're you're just you're just not my you are simply not my type of person and i do not care for you one tiny bit and it's like and if you are involved in like in posting about it and like posting about other people's posts and and if you're involved in that kind of community aspect like you do like it's you forget basically instantly that they are real people with real feelings that Mm -hmm. you're talking about because you are you're not talking about them. You're talking. It's like, I, like I'm so happy you told me about these like Twitter accounts which flirt with each other because I think <laughs> it's, it's so it's so like perfectly encapsulate what, what what we're trying to say here. Like you're not like you you are dealing with you are talking about people who are real people with feelings, but they are not. But that's not what you're being presented with. You are being yeah. presented with the bodily versions of these Twitter accounts that flirt with mm. them. You're, mm-hmm. you're being presented with. You're being presented with spectacularized, uh, like kind of projected images in the sky, yeah. and with the people that you like post alongside with, you can like you talk, you can say what you like about those images because the images are never going to find out. But there is a person behind them. There is the little Oreo man on like on the island, like on the <laughs> island, <laughs> who will sooner or later see like see like see this stuff and. I think it's I think it's like I think it's very very illustrative of like the like the like the relationship like the kind of cultural relationship with like the idea of celebrity and like the idea of like the idea of like what like like which like which is it that you're being shown is it the is it the simulacrum or is it the or is it the or is it the or is it the spirit and like and this and the and the spirit is basically like indivorceable from the simulacrum and I think that's it's you you forget it basically instantly like the second you get your phone out you forget it Mm. And like, just, just cause there's like an addition to that. Um, I wonder whether this is also just like a subsequent, like consequence of 
the kind of like course correction, not even course correction, but just like in response to all like the kind of Love Island and like reality TV more broadly, the body count, right? So, you know, uh, where there's an acknowledgement that like these types of shows do can and have like a, uh, they can have like harmful effects on those contestants and like that those harmful effect, uh, like effects can like go out of control really fast. You have like PR teams and influencers and just like all the infrastructure around them but are very preoccupied with like <clears throat> protecting or at least kind of like keeping the curation, the curated image as sort of like solid as possible. Um, mm. So, you know, the, the, the example of like the kind of like PR teams flirting with each other for the sake of like public entertainment. And even though people sort of know that like there are other people behind it, they still kind of like attribute it to this character. And it does feed into this idea that, yeah, the people that we're watching on screens, like on these screens, like, you know, um, unless you really kind of think about it, like it's very easy to see them not as people, but as extensions of their sort of like online personalities. And like, that's the thing that is being commodified. That is the thing that like is being like marketed on the show. Like the kind of brands that will eventually do deals with these people, with, with these contestants are like testing the viability of these brands. And the show is like a good kind of, uh, you know, it, it, it almost serves as like a lab experiment to see how viable that is. So it almost feels as if, the actual kind of like work of economic stability and longevity among kind of like the careers of these influences are playing out simultaneously with the show and like the actual person involved kind of is only one part of that like like system and I don't know just just um just as kind of like a way of both wrapping up but also kind of like hitting at the point that you know that you sort of uh, uh that you mentioned when we talked about the tweet just like about this kind of like the ecosystem and how people sort of like play into that because you had mentioned that the meme that we spoke about is also a really good example of this kind of circular dependency um where like you know pr people are like you know they need the show and the influencers like need the pr people but they also need people to like talk about them and they need like this type of like posting in relation in order for mm. so so the whole system like stays in place because everyone is posting and reposting each other's posts but also kind of like you know there, there's also this dependence on that type of post and i wondered whether mm. like you could tell, talk to us a little bit about how you kind of see that e ecosystem and how it's changed i guess over the last few seasons um, especially as a result of people being much more aware of uh, like their presence on reality TV, but also the effects of it once you lose control over that type of image curation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think like, obviously, I think people, there's been enough seasons of it now that people realize that the quote unquote conversation is just as valuable to people as the show itself. That's why, you know, they have mm. After Sun, there's a, which is like the show that happens directly love, after Love Island, where they get a bunch of people to talk about Love Island. <laughs> like, and, it's like The Apprentice. It's like yeah. The Apprentice and the show we did. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. So it's literally a group. In, anyway. Yes, yeah. Sorry, and then there's a, po there's a podcast from ITV2 about Love Island. There's <laughs> every, like loads of other media companies have podcasts about Love Island. There is an advert. Every, they have more advert breaks now, seemingly than they did before. But in every ad, break they are encouraging people to go on the love island subreddit and like engage in posting on reddit about love island which i've also never seen before there's like so many things mm. this year that are like leaning into the posting aspect of it that just like mm. are brand new and i find that really interesting um so i think like there's definitely been more of a shift towards like 
the producers are very aware now that this show doesn't exist in a little bubble. They can't just air it every night and kind of like do whatever they want with it. It's very much like influencers or, you know, like celebrities themselves. They're like in conversation with with the audience constantly. Mm. It's like that thing that people always say about Kim Kardashian or the Kardashians in general. It's like they're looking at her, but she's also looking at them. And it's like a constant a constant evolution that's happening. And it says generally more about like the public and our desires and our consumer desires and what we want for, mm. from like entertainment than it actually does about mm. the people that they've put on the show. So it makes yeah. total sense to me that they would be as blank as possible because that enables us to project whatever we want yeah. onto them. Yeah. Mm. And then, and then, and, and that kind and the way those desires get manufactured as well. Yeah. If you're kind of applying that kind of, that kind of analysis to it. It's like, it's interesting as well because, uh, because yeah, you, it, like, like you said, they, they have to be deliberately blank so that you can project stuff onto them. But it's very interesting what is permitted to be projected onto them and like, so what, mm-hmm. like, what isn't like, yeah. um, we had Rachel Connolly on friend of the show, Rachel Connolly, a little while ago to talk about to talk about like the kind of the toothlessness of uh, influencer activism, mm-hmm. um, and about how you like you never hear you never hear influencers talking about Palestine or Yemen. But as soon as Black Lives Matter became a kind of marketable mm-hmm. kind of brand strategy, that was something that they kind of felt able to do without losing without losing money mm-hmm. um, which you know I, to me is very just very suggestive of what an influencer economy is 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 like and doesn't seem to be especially surprising um but there's a kind of there's it's there's a sort of interesting uh kind of mild thatcherism just to just to all just like to like one of all of like like all of it like the like the way they talk about work the way they talk about uh the way they talk about their lives and relationships and it's all kind of commodity and it's all transaction which i know is not a, like exactly like a new observation but like it's but like it's in, like it's interesting of like it kind of this this like tv show like generating its own kind of meat kind of new media landscape mm-hmm. sort of devote kind of devoted to serving it it's like it's a little unclear like who is like who is the parasite and who is the host at this point i think yeah yeah it's like sort of being online i guess over the last 10 years it, i think originally made everything um seem more accessible because you have like a direct connection to mm. all of these things and you can see what everyone's doing and you're like oh it should be very easy for me to do that then what's stopping me and then very quickly you realize that there are lots and lots of things stopping you depending on where you are in society and mm. love island is very like the other side <laughs> it's yeah. like it's like i don't know if you like put on a, I don't know, like a famous person's like stories or whatever, and you see them at a party, that's what Love Island is. They are somewhere that most mm. people can never be. Mm. They've already gone through yeah. so many layers of like acceptability before they get there. And then yeah. within that arena, there's that like a hugely meritocratic sentiment that like people have slandered Molly May for before by being where, where she's like, you've got the same amount of hours in a day as me. Everyone's got 24 hours. It's your life. You should be a billionaire. Mm. Why aren't you a billionaire? And, and like it's you know yes because i sell normal bikinis not the ones that go up to your uh, go up to your uh... yeah <laughs> but yeah that's how yeah. like that's the men that's the mindset that everyone has going into it they're there to make money mm. for themselves that is like mm. the mindset yeah. that you have to have to go on that show if you didn't you would just meet someone in a cafe like a normal person yeah i should call it bootstraps island <laughs> 
<laughs> rename I, it next yeah. year. Um, producers, if you're listening to, are just one of my many ideas. <laughs> <laughs> I think we do have a couple of TV producers who do listen to the show. Yeah, I don't know how so, powerful. Yeah, I don't know like, how powerful they are, or like where on the where where in like you know where the on, like where on the kind of the the, the echelons. Yeah, because yeah. no, because it, it is interesting how like like how much expenditure or like on the route to Love Island is kind of like is 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 like hidden mm-hmm. and it's very interesting as well like you were saying that like people so object to the Nepo babies on it and anything which kind of that which gets kind of which gets sort of framed as uh, framed as any kind of entitlement but if you're looking at these at, at these people who have had like thousands of pounds worth of worth of worth of surgery and they've all mm-hmm. got they've all got like They've all got the the teeth and the hair and the and the and the fake tans, and it's like like at what like at what point do you recognise that this is not some kind of like like magic like magic wand class mobility conduit? Mm. Um, like it because it doesn't. I don't think it matters a huge amount that uh, that Gemma Rowan is hugely hugely rich and grew up hugely hugely rich because all of them must be must not be living like especially ordinary people because if they were then you can't get teeth like that like mm-hmm. you're, you're if you're an, if you're an ordinary person you can like like most ordinary people in this country can't afford to go to the dentist let alone have their teeth mm-hmm. yanked out and replaced by like like kind of little ceramic tiles like i i know that sounds like, like i know that sounds like incredibly po-faced um but like but it is but it is <coughs> it is true and i think it is mm. And I think it's, I think it's fine to like something which is trash just because the enjoyment of trash is a kind of, is kind of, is sort of, is is soothing to a certain extent. I don't think you have to, I don't think you have to kind of politicize your fondness for it. And I I do see a bit of people sort of trying to do that. Like I see people sort of saying like, oh yeah, like when there was that one guy who was like emotionally abusing the girl that he was like, that he was seeing, like that was really good because then that's going to wake like girls up in like similar (laughs) relationships to like, oh, he's emotionally abusing me. And I just thought, is it actually going to like, it's a nice idea that it would do that. Like I, I don't, I don't, I'm not saying that it's not a good like it would not be a good thing if that was the case but is that is that really the case is that really how people experience their own even their own like most toxic relationships would they even be able to apply this knowledge to their own mm. lives mm-hmm. or would they just or would they just apply well, it in a kind yeah. of a well this is again it's just I'm just watching spectacle I'm not watching anything which is anything to do with me well, this is this also poses another problem for Love Island I think going into the future which is I think that again this is all like based on sort of anecdotes and observations so I could be completely wrong but my understanding is that like as it sort of became a lot more popular there was also and crucially like at the time when kind of like Love Island intersects with the sort of boom of um, like content writing, uh, like in the 2010s, there's suddenly this kind of like urge to sort of see, and also and also just like the push to kind of see reality TV shows not as like trash TV you sort of watch like because you're searching for trash, but because like within it, you know, there are deeper meanings and like Love Island is a microcosm for society and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like we sort of see remnants of that now. Um, I was reading a headline this morning, like not for research for this episode, but just like going through the news about how people were sort of like responding to uh, Gemma Owen 
coupling up with and sorry for spoilers anyone like who who like watches from episode one like i do uh so it turns out that Gemma uh owen uh has hooked up with or like is coupled up with davide i think um and there's a she's not now is she she's she's ditched him anymore oh i mean well thanks thanks for ruining that for me sorry Um, yeah no no i know i know that you're planning uh, on like going away and watching this immediately yeah but there was like but 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 there was but there was like an age like i have have an eight hour flight to dubai like i've got to take it like next week so i was going to watch all of it then um but uh uh there was like that v V kind of like age gap discourse right like Mm -hmm. you know should a 27 year old like be coupling up with uh, 19 year old never mind the fact that they are on like an island on a tv show and like they don't she doesn't necessarily have like all the options um very much a contestant in a game um but like that discord like it, in he, that article i saw like in no, various instances he looks older yeah but they all look older british guys all look older than they actually yeah, are but ekin sue says she's 27 i don't think she is either so. okay i mean i don't i don't know but all i know is that like british guys all look older than they do so like you know, I think she is. 18 year olds all, all look 25 they should all go to euphoria high school um oh, but you know, actually, no that actually reminds me of something can i just say something really yeah, quickly and then i will okay. let you finish um yes. which is which is just that because like what like, just going back to what i was saying about like oh wouldn't it be nice if like young women are watching this and being like oh this is the sort of this is the sort of treatment that i shouldn't be tolerating this is the sort of treatment that i should be asking for but i think that what we're missing here and i think this is important and it is the lower age limit of Love Island viewers because nobody young is watching this stuff. Like, because young people do not watch, like, properly young people, like teenagers. Yeah, people they're too busy 20. on their dang phones. They're too busy. Well, they're too busy on their dang TikTok. But, like, yeah, <laughs> but, like, yeah, I, but in the main, like, this is why, like, TV producers are so obsessed with youth markets because they can't nobody can work out a way of getting young people to watch tv and <laughs> last year i saw this group of teenagers and i thought this is like a really really important like important corrective to this whole discussion and they were talking they were like there was a group of teenage girls and they were on the train and they were the kind of teenage girls who kind of all look as if they think that they are the first people in history who've like found out about stripy socks and it's like no 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 we had stripy socks people before us had stripy socks you did not invent stripy socks um, and they were talking, they were like talking about some girl they went to school with and I was earwigging, obviously. And they were like, they were, they were absolutely tearing this, tearing this girl apart. And then like one of them said, yeah. And she like watches Love Island and the rest of them like kind of cackled like hyenas. Um, and then like the main one, like the main one of these girls said to like, like said to obviously the one on you know the bottom of the food chain, uh, says like, don't you watch Love Island? And she said, yeah, well, no, like, uh, I've been like watching it like this year, but like, like ironically, but like, I don't like, I don't like watch it, watch it. Like I like save them up and like watch them like on catch up at the weekend. And the main girl took this like enormous slug out of her iced coffee and then just went, that's worse. And I was like, oh my God. First of all, oh my God, am I glad I'm not a teenage girl anymore because fucking hell. Second, I think that is actually what people need to be keeping in their heads when we're doing the watching of the, uh, when we're doing the watching of the Love Island. That is what, that is what the teenagers are up to. And I think they might have the right idea. fascinating yeah it's that classic thing of just like yeah older millennials or at least like kind of millennials watching the show and like a lot of it 
there, there was also there's also been that tendency i've seen this in tweets before where they'll sort of like look at behavior that you know and it's not even just like restricted to reality tv like they kind of you know even in sort of like fictionalized dramas and everything um you know they'll kind of you know there'll be a lot of sort of like discourse analysis and content that's produced about like particular interactions and like the way that they'll frame it is that like oh this interaction that happened in like this tv show uh made people like recall their own experiences of like Mm -hmm. bad like and quite often it's like bad relationships or you know men ghosting and stuff like that like shitty behavior like don't get me wrong but i think like there is a a very there's like a playbook and maybe it feeds maybe it feeds into the broader ecosystem as well which is that this type of show also requires like content factory content producers and stuff to reproduce this content as stuff that like is proven to be like socially relevant because for the show to kind of like continue justifying its existence it needs to kind of show that it's culturally relevant or that like it's kind of like socially applicable Mm. um and you know that can also contribute to the idea that like okay well what you then have is a very boring show which like you know says a lot about society but like not quite in the way that you want it to um, so like my thinking, just like watching this and, you know, again, like I could be proven wrong in like later weeks, you know, or like if suddenly Love Island becomes a very cool thing to watch, uh, like, you know, a few years down the line, um, it, which is that like, this is a show that doesn't really know what it's supposed to be or what it's supposed to do, but is like such a part of like a new, um, economic, like a new kind of market that it's also trapped in its own successes. I think, or like at least his own past successes. So mm. yeah, I don't know. That's, that's my kind of like final take on Love Island based, based on the two episodes that I've seen. I am really interested in the idea of like whether teenagers watch it. Cause I feel like obviously like young 20 year olds watch it because they wouldn't like, you've got like people who are on there are like 19, 20, 21, 22 years old. Like these yeah. are the people who are on the show. Um, it's deeply. Un- it's. De- I will say that Love Island has been deeply uncool as a thing to engage with for many years now, <laughs> which is like it's also extremely funny. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I did have a little look. So I was curious to see whether there was like TikTok commentary, and there is, and there are like some young mm-hmm. people doing it, but it's very like not highly engaged with, and it's mm-hmm. a lot of like. <laughs> the top searches when I had a look were like uh, from last year's one where it's like Faye doing coke or like some some like they're looking for like <laughs> scandal clips which is uh, yeah. very TikTok I suppose um, but yeah I the future of the show is an interesting one because I think it kind of relies on, it literally just relies on people's uh, willingness to engage with it I think once that stops they'll mm. just get rid of it yeah yeah I mean, I'm, I'm looking at like some of the tweets about TikToks on Love Island, which, you know, also is a, is like, a, is a god is... still a god with no one left to worship. Him. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it does seem that, like the producers of Love Island did use TikTok like music in the show. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. There's a bunch of people that have mentioned that, oh, yeah, like Love Island is using like TikTok samples in its programming. So, mm-hmm. again, it's actually, this is actually a very interesting example of like um, there was a piece that came out I think, a couple of days ago, which I haven't read fully just yet but the argument is that like tiktok has sort of taken up so much digital space that even if it's not like the most used platform it's by far the most influential to the degree that like every platform is forced to sort of like follow its lead um in the hope that like eventually because tiktok is like such an accelerator that it can kind of like pick up on a moment that will then 
sort of drive popularity. And I think that's an interesting, that's actually an interesting thing to think about. Yeah. And again, with like sort of talking about the whole point of this show is for these people to sort of go in, whether they're in there for like 24 hours or like the full eight weeks, like to go in and come out with like half a million to several million Instagram followers. And even if like young people aren't watching the show, they all know who Molly May is. Do you know what I mean? So it's yeah. about like building that reputation yeah, yeah. regardless of what actually yeah. happens to yeah. you on the show. It's about that constellation mm-hmm. of like external yeah. things and ideas about you and like what where you sort of sit in pop culture. That's the actual and do you, game. Yeah. And, do, and do you think that only really happens? I'm sorry, like uh, I know that we're running like way off time more than usual, but just like <laughs> as a kind of very quick kind of follow up to that. Do you think that's like something that can only be applicable, that's only really applicable to like younger contestants? So like... I don't know. I can't remember how old Molly May is, but she's she must be like in her early 20s, yeah, right? She was 19 when um, she went on the show as well. Right. So it's kind of like for the 19 year olds, like the Gemma Owens, the Molly Mays and so on, like they may not even be that invested in Love Island, but they're sort of aware of like the media ecosystem in mm-hmm. front of them. Mm-hmm. So this is like a very good way of sort of like getting clips and getting like, you know, material that you can use, but it's very far away from the end goal. And I wonder whether that necessarily like applies to the older contestants. Um, so even if they do win or even mm. if they do get very far ahead, like the sort of like longevity may not be as, uh, like evident to them. Mm. Yeah. I'm not, uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I think like, I can't remember how old, like Olivia Atwood was when she went on there, but I think like, I think the older ones basically like fall into more of a Geordie Shore type audience probably. Right. Um, where you know they're not doing like cute little girly TikTok makeup things, um, but they are doing commentary and like <laughs> Instagram activism and talking and, like brand partnerships and that sort of thing. But it is definitely uh, a different audience to like it's more Towie, Geordie Shaw, like that echelon of like stuff rather than anything that's like specifically linked to Gen Z entertainment, mm. which makes mm. sense age wise. Yeah. Yeah. Do we have any? Do we have? Do we have any more questions, or shall we wrap up? No, I just, I just like the the thing that I thought of was um uh, during the pandemic that doctor who had been on Love Island saying like, and uh, now I'm going to go back to the NHS and be a doctor. I'm like, yeah, that's what you should have done before. Like, I don't, <laughs> like, I'm not, I, I don't, I don't think that's especially praiseworthy. It sucks to stop being a doctor in order to go or go on Love Island, I think. I think that's a thing that sucks well, as a look, decision. There's, there's a there's a there's a pan, there's a the real pandemic, as I like to say, is like the, the number of doctors that are becoming YouTubers right now. Maybe something yeah. for like another episode. But Maybe. I feel like yeah, I feel like that's somehow worse than going on Love Island. So like, you know, not to not to be not to be like too apologetic for Dr. Alex, but like, yeah, there are definitely worse things that like ex doctors have done. Uh, more quite recently. Yeah. Doctors shouldn't be content creators. Come on, come on, lads. <laughs> well, you don't, like, want, you, put, you don't want TikTok. I would watch that. <laughs> no, you know what? If I, I think I, that if, I would if, watch if, if, if it was called that because I'm like a little like puppy. It's just like, ooh, wordplay. Um, <laughs> the problem with like TikTok doctors and like just the influencer doctor thing is that they think they can sort of get away with it just by being like good looking with like the air of like being slightly more intelligent than like other people <laughs> who look the same way. Yeah. But my thinking is like, if you're going to be a doctor, like content creator, you should like go full sicko mode. I want to see you doing surgery, like actual yeah. like 
live yeah, surgery I on TikTok. I want, yeah, yeah, I want you just doing like crazy shit. I want you experimenting on yourself. Yeah, like, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. I want, like, I want to, I want to see somebody hooking themselves up to one of those drips, <laughs> which, which is like, which has got like kind of secret doctor hangover cure in it. Like that's what, that's what I want to see. Yeah, I want, like, I want you to be Doctor Michael Morbius. I want to there see. We yeah. oh, there, there we go. go. There we go. I want to see someone. I want to see someone like rehydrating themselves, but in like a very dangerous way. Like that's what. That's what. That's that's why. That's what I want to see. Um, but like I think I don't know. If you're a do- if you're a doctor, you already make the lives of your cousins basically impossible. Um, because all they hear about is like, oh, what? You're a doctor, like your cousin. Um, so I feel like you should take that and yeah and like just be happy yeah you already get familial approval like why do you need it from strangers leave that for us no you don't you don't leave that for us yeah there's a disgusting (laughs) amount of like flopping around in the dirt yeah there's so many like hot American men on TikTok who are maybe like late 20s early 30s and they're all sort of like so here's actually here's everything I know about periods that you should know and maybe you don't even know what (laughs) they're like (laughs) and I'm just like I'm just like really it does oh no yeah I'm like oh my god tell me more (laughs) (laughs) that's how they get you that is every every guy should know should like be able to like label the fallopian tubes I'm just like I can't label the fallopian tubes I don't know what you're talking about yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah and also and also if you meet a guy who can do it Right, who is not a doctor? Run, like that's an, imme- that's, a, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's an immediate, exactly. that's an immediate, that's an immediate red flag. Like, yeah, don't do a, it. That's a huge red flag. Okay, well, good. I'm glad we got that covered. I think that's, I think that's probably as good a that, point as any. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, so we should wrap up. So Emma, thank you so much for joining us for this very, uh, yeah, for this like super interesting conversation on uh, Britain's favorite show, Love Island. Um, I will catch up with you in. Uh, four to six weeks when I've gotten through everything uh, <laughs> and maybe we can revisit but in the meantime if people uh, if people want to like uh, tweet about Love Island or read your tweets about Love Island maybe if you do them um, or just like read any of this cool stuff that you're doing how can they do that um, so I'm on Twitter regrettably at Emma Garland with two G's Cool. We put that. We'll we will we'll put that in the show notes, uh, and we'll put and we'll also put the pieces that we referenced, the one from the Guardian and one from Vice, in the show notes as well. They're both like very good. Uh, thank you for listening to this episode of Ten Thousand Posts. If you want bonus content, uh, we have a Patreon, uh, patreon.com forward slash Ten K Post Podcast. You get one free episode a week. It's very very good. Uh, you should listen to the one on Morbius because uh, yeah, we 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 did we did more, but it was very and it was it was we a did. fun time. Um, you can follow me at H Kizvani if you don't already. Uh, Phoebe, do you want to do your plugs? Um, yeah, yeah, okay. Um, if you would like to listen to me and Milo Edwards' Seinfeld podcast, that's Masters of Our Domain, and that's on Twitter at Masters of Pod where we post episodes and stuff. If you want to see, I, I basically don't post like I. <laughs> I'm literally like I'm literally like the maggot king, just like atop my wriggling little pile. Um, if you want to see my basically empty timeline, you can request to follow my Twitter at prh roy. Um, if you want to see my brand partnerships, uh, I put those on Instagram, and that's at baby underscore rose underscore holly. And yeah, I think that's that's it. Those are my plugs. Cool. Uh, this show is produced by Devin. You can follow them at Devin underscore on Earth. You can also listen to their podcast, which is called Kill James Bond. Uh, also very very good Um, and I think on that note uh, I think we've done all our plugs so we'll catch you next time have a good one bye bye bye